This morning we're talking about what I'm calling in-between times. Those situations in life where we are versus and where we're stuck versus where we want to be and can't go. For the Jews, it was to be in Babylon as exiles. And as we planned this service, I wondered what it would be for you. I looked around the congregation this morning and know some of the things that you're carrying, some of your in-between times, and I thought, how like God to have planned services to help us right when we need it. I was very impressed when Renee was saying there were times when she couldn't pray, when she wanted to put her face to, uh, fist in God's face. Some of you were nodding your head. You know about that. And that's where God meets us, at the, at, at, at the place in life where it's really real. There are times when we feel we cannot go on in the present situation that we're in. We want to get a quick fix. We want out. We want God to hear us. And I think it's very interesting in this text that the quick fixes were being offered for by the false prophets to the peoples in between times. But when Jeremiah spoke from God, he said, folks, you're not camping. This isn't a two-week vacation in Babylon. You're going to be here for a while, like 70 years. So my encouragement to you is this is home. This is going to be your life, so bloom where you're planted. Jeremiah reminds us how God wants to do surprising and wonderful things with our in-between times if we trust him rather than fill with bitterness and hopelessness and self-pity. And again, I'm just amazed that God would have ordained that Renee was here the weekend we're dealing with this subject because no matter where you are, she's here as living proof that people can go on and live and bloom in in-between times. The first truth the prophet warns the Jews is not to waste one moment wallowing in self-pity about their or our situation today. It's one of the great dangers when we're in between, we stop living and we just waste away in bitterness. Chuck Swindoll gives a wonderful description of self-pity. In both dramatic and subtle ways, the stub stubborn enemy of our souls whispers sweet little nothings in our ears. He reminds us of how unappreciated and ill-treated we are, how important yet overlooked. He visits the mother of small children and the wife of a wretch of a husband and tells her, how terrible is your plight, how unfair, un how unbearable. He slips into the office of the faithful worker who has been bypassed, swamping his mind with the silt of self-pity. To the unemployed, he says, no chance. To the, to the divorced, he says, no place. To the bereaved, he says, no hope. And to the struggling, he says, no way. The most damaging impact of self-pity is its ultimate end, says Dr. Swindoll. Cuddle and nurse it as an infant, and you'll soon have a full-grown beast, a monster a raging, coarse brute that will spread the poison of bitterness and paranoia throughout your system. Jeremiah wanted to spare the Jews that condition, and his message would spare us that condition if we find ourselves in between today. He wanted the Jews to realize their exile was not something evil. It was the very crucible God was using to make them the people of God, what God wanted them to be spiritually, and there was no other way for them. And I believe in a very similar way. God, the omnipotent God, can use the very situation you're in today as he uses Renee and Mike and the baby 
to mold us into those persons we're designed to be for all eternity. I will never believe God puts us into exile. He causes these things, but he uses them. And that's sometimes so hard to believe. But you see, we're eternal creatures. Our time on earth is relatively brief. And I guess the only way God gets us ready, some of us who are so stubborn like myself, is through hard times. But if we can accept the fact that what we're going through right now is a molding process, then rather than filling with self-pity, we can submit to the reality that where we are is where God wants us to be right now. And we can go ahead and live. We can believe with God's help we can bloom where we're planted. One of my favorite phrases I have hanging in my office. We can believe there's an eternal purpose in what sometimes seems like our prison of hopelessness. Now this kind of trust helps us go back to that job that we hate. I'm surprised at how many of us hate our jobs and wonder whether we can face another Monday morning. We can go back to a marriage that's hopeless. We've worked at for years and it's getting no better. And we wonder how long we can hang on or should we? We can handle delays that seem absolutely crucial to our future, our peace of mind, our personal happiness, when we want to say, God, where are you? How many times do I have to pray about this? When are you going to come and handle it? I've said many times from this pulpit that life is difficult, life is complex, life isn't fair. And Jesus never said it would be. And it's how well we confront the reality that becoming a Christian doesn't protect us from things that will have a lot to do with the quality of life that we find while we're in between times. I personally don't, I can't imagine how Renee, her mom, her family handled a second spinal cord injury. That's beyond me. And if you want a good case to take to God of saying, where are you? And you almost seem like an unfair monster, in some way that would be it. And I don't know where you are in that theology and what your argument with God is, the whole point to this story is that God is there with us in the in-between times. And that leads us to a second truth. While living in between times, we can take the offensive and rather than waste time and self-pity, we can get involved in doing God's business while we're waiting. In between does not have to be meaningless time. Jeremiah tells the people, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. And he went ahead and talked about caring for the city and uh, getting married. You see, God cares about our city, cares about our neighborhood, our classroom, our circle of friends, our business office, our home life. Wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, God puts you there and he can use you as his agent. You belong there. And what you're going through is part of his plan to make you an agent of his in the world. Hard to believe, but true. Where we are, the situation we're in, is by divine appointment. Here's the catch. If we can just forget about escaping as the Jews wanted to and stop listening to the false counselors who say, well, you're going to get this fixed in two weeks. This is just, uh, we're going to have instant gratification. We're going to get out of here. If we can not focus on escape, but on saying, God, how can you use me until it's over? Marvelous things can happen. We'll find new joy and freedom. For example, think with me. How many people have used their battle with cancer to minister to others? My sister, I've told you about, is now finished with chemotherapy. She's feeling much better. And what's, I just talked to her last week. And a ministry now is starting to three other people who have lymphoma. And she can go with them through the stages because she's been there. 
Many have found their struggle with unemployment or a difficult marriage or an impossible child to be an open door to minister to others because you see, the only way you can really get into somebody else's heart is if you've been there yourself. Last night, Renee was talking to a whole group of children in wheelchairs. I couldn't talk to them. She could. She spoke their language. Your molding process, your in-between time is giving you a vocabulary to minister and you cannot get it any easy way. Many of you who are confined to wheelchairs or other disabilities, we have many in our church. I'm a, I just admire how brave you are of coming and going on and finding a place of ministry here or in the community. And then one other, one of the elders has decided her neighbors are her ministry. She has a printout on her computer of every church family in her geographical area, and she prays for them regularly, has a game plan to visit each one of them and occasionally takes cakes and just kind of keeps up with what's going. She believes that she's in her neighborhood to minister. Contrast her attitude with those of us who isolate ourselves from our neighbors, and we only live for the day when we can get out of that neighborhood and get into another neighborhood and get into a bigger house with higher fences. You see, blooming where we planted can turn in between times into surprising ministries. I, I read a fascinating story, maybe you know about it, George Schlatter, a victim of polio in 1946, before Salk discovered the vaccine. He was told he'd never walk without a limp, he'd never use his left arm, but he was not one to take no for an answer, and his story goes on to say he worked himself back to be on the wrestling team, on the football team. Later, he suffered an accident and was 40% of his body was covered with burns, and yet he never gave up, never lost his courage. And armed with these gifts of the spirit and with laughter in his soul, he entered the world of show business and revolutionized television. When I was much younger, my very favorite television show, you might remember, it was Laugh-In. This guy is the one who developed Laugh-In and produced it, along with American Comedy Awards. He had been through the furnace and had come out with a soul as strong as steel, and he went back to try to entertain and make America laugh, rather than crawl into a hole of bitterness. Now, unlike Mr. Slatter, many of us, no matter how hard we work, we're not gonna get back on the wrestling team or to a football team. Uh, we might not crawl out of our in-between time, not in this life, and that's very real. I, Renee is not going to have her spinal cord healed in this life, and, and perhaps you're just involved in things that aren't going to be subject to a quick fix, no easy exit. What do you do? Do we just remain stuck? God gave Israel a message through Jeremiah, and maybe this is what you came to hear today. He simply says this, I may not give you a quick fix, but I'm walking with you during this time, and wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, whatever pain, whatever disappointment you feel, I feel too, and I will transform your situation into a rich source of ministry if you'll just choose to trust me. The key message here you see are some questions. Do we want to waste time and become captive to bitterness and despair? Do we want to fret until we can give ourselves an excuse to do something irresponsible? Or will we trust God in the furnace and believe he's making us as strong as steel to do some kind of ministry we otherwise could not have performed for him in this life. And this leads us to a final and very difficult truth. Jeremiah reminds his people that God has some glorious future plans for those who trust him. So don't quit. Don't give up. Not yet. 
He tells them, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll bring my people Israel and Judah back from captivity and restore them to the land. You see, God gave them resources for blooming in Babylon because he said somewhere up ahead, 70 years seemed like forever, but somewhere up ahead he said, I'm going to deliver you. There's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. Wait, trust me. Meanwhile, get on and, and marry and build and have families and take care of the city. Do my work wherever I've placed you. Now, here's the catch. As modern Christians, and one writer puts it so well, we're the first generation of Christians in history that no longer find comfort in the eternal future. I believe he's right. We live in a culture based on instant gratification. We've been sold this bill of goods that if you don't make it in this life, you're not going to make it because this is the only one that counts. You only go around once, grab the brass ring. If you're not married in this life and you want to be, it's a total tragedy. If your child isn't perfect in this life, it's a tragedy. If you aren't successful at business in this life, it's a tragedy. We're trying to make heaven happen here because the secular world, that's all they have. And we've bought that so that we don't find a lot of comfort when God tells us through Jeremiah, well, you might be in between times all your life in that marriage with that child, in that job with that health problem, but in eternity, I'll fix it. And we say, God, I'm not interested in eternity. That brings me no comfort at all. I want it now, even though there isn't one of us that won't have to give up everything we're living for one day. We're mortal. One day we will die. Eternity is real. And so I, I want to emphasize the message here is that most of us need a new balance of priorities if we're going to find the comfort and the power to live with our in-between times. We must find a balance between living for this world and living for the next one. And then we can understand what Paul the Apostle says when he says, our light affliction, is, which is but for a moment, namely in this life, is working for us a far more exceeding weight of glory in the life to come, one day when we'll see Jesus. If that doesn't bring you comfort, I don't have anything else to offer. False prophets will tell you, well, look for shortcuts, drink, uh, do whatever to escape, to kind of make it endurable in this life. Jesus says, just wait on me. No quick fix, but one day when you're with me, I'll give you all the answers. Meanwhile, trust me, call order. I close with these words from the psalmist that I use regularly. And it's for you who might be going through some situations that are unbearably hard right now, and they work, or our faith is a myth. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take courage. He's my shield, my stronghold. The cords of death entangled me. In my distress, I called to the Lord and I cried, My God, help! And he reached down from on high and he took me and drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. He is my shield. I pray by the grace of God through Renee's message, we've heard new, with new ears today that whatever you're going through, God says, I know, and trust me. And may you find new strength, new courage to persevere, new hope and new joy so you can blossom in your in-between times. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you meet us in the nitty-gritty of real life. Thank you that you're our refuge and our strength and our rock 
And I pray those who need it today in a special way will find it, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen.